Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Boulder Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He says the chance to get through. Bonton Pelly! Simply the bots! Gives it to Gord. Willie from 55. Uh-huh. He will. He can. He does. He gave it to Dusty. Martin. Goal. Tigers in front. At the final bell, it's a grand. Seven years of torment eased, and a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. It's Spud's game on a Friday night in round 14. Time to talk is the theme on a night that St Kilda has dedicated to create a lasting legacy for Danny Frawley. And it will occupy many a mind in the lead up to the game itself. And that's where it's critical for St Kilda to continue to fortify a position inside the eight and attack the top four in what is proving a historic squeeze. They come up against Essendon who will be striving to do better They're entrusted with the spotlight of a marquee game again and it needs to be a little bit better than it has been in recent times. We're under the roof at Marvel Stadium on AFL Nation, St Kilda and Essendon. Jared Waitley with you, Anthony Hudson's with me. Hello, hello. Evening, Jared, and hello everyone on this uh, Friday night and hopefully we get a terrific contest. Last night certainly set the scene for that. What a stunning last quarter it looked like it was going to be from Harry Mackay and there's a few blues and tigers made some mind that are still blueing over the umpires and the review and all all else um but yeah hopefully tonight delivers as well and Spud obviously his passing leaves a huge hole but what a legacy that has been created around around that passing and Gary's speech in the middle of the center circle which I think Nathan Burke has the honor tonight uh, last year was one of the most powerful messages I think you could see in a in a crowd situation that's made everyone think and uh, what they've done down at Moorabbin is a great tribute to Spud. So hopefully we get a good match and, and also uh, we get some money raised and, and some real meaning out of the night. Our Bulls are in place. Jared Healy, hello. Good evening, Jared. I'll just turn myself on. We'll see if Nathan Jones, young bull, is there. I am here, mate. You're yep. there. I'm That's very well. Start. How are you? I'm well. <laughs> a few technical difficulties just early here. What are you thinking tonight as we gather? I think it's, well, Essendon, uh, what can we say, really? They've just got to keep on keeping on. Um, but it's a vitally important game for the Saints. Um, with how tight the ladder is, this is a... From, from where I sit, must win. Like, they've got to continue to try and separate themselves to push for a spot in that top four, and they just have to get the job done. And Brett Ratton was reasonably positive, apart from their finish last week against Brisbane in the immediate post-match, but it felt like by the time he reviewed and spoke again during the week, he'd found a few more things that we weren't doing so well. They do get some decent ends with Billings and Hunter Clark really been made to earn their way back into the team, which is, which is a good sign for them. Yeah, for sure. I've watched that game pretty closely. I thought for much of the game they were doing reasonably well, but obviously in the end there's some key injuries um, that I think really hurt them on the night and they got exposed in a couple of areas. But again, Brisbane are probably in that sort of next rung up, but they've just got to, like I said before, have got to hang tight and continue to find a way to win just to stay in touch. And Look to improve. There's plenty of footy left in the season. I think they're well and truly capable to push and be amongst that top four. Jared Healy, good evening. Well, you were the big loser out of the, uh, that uh, miscue, Jared, because <laughs> I was going to open up with well done on the Hall of Fame. I thought you did a great job. It was. Uh, it's a glorious night in the football calendar. It's great to listen and to hear about some of the really 
diverse characters in the game, and uh, I thought it was a great night for footy, and, and well done. You did it uh, as well here. as anybody. Here, here. Perfect night, and Bill well Dempsey done to you. Just a little got the votes ahead of you, Terry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was number one. Number two is Spud. We miss him. Leaves a big hole. I think you summed it up, but uh, his legacy lives on, and it's a very important legacy. And number three, I love Marvel Stadium. I know it's probably not a popular opinion, but Marvel Stadium with a full house is a better place to watch the game, in my view, than the MCG. You are closer to it. The roar from 40,000 people is awesome. You only had to be here to watch the Swans and the Carlton game a few weeks ago to realise we have got a magnificent asset here. Someone needs to sort out the PR of this joint because we should have a full house tonight. Everyone should be looking forward to coming here and seeing and watching this place vibrate. St Kilda versus Essendon, what a big game. I like the spruiking for oh, it. Yeah. I'm happy to be on board Are with the PR. Are you looking for an extra gig, Jerry? No, I just, but I just think we've got this unbelievable asset. Last night was a great game at the MCG, but it's a big, big, big ground. It needs 100,000 people. It needs 60 or 70,000 people there. And you are a long way away. I'm not a big fan of uh, chopping down the Great Southern Stand. I think it's a ridiculous waste of money. But if we are going to do it, let's learn from the other stadia around the ground. It's, we've got to sit more on top of the ground rather than be so far back at the back end of uh, the third and fourth tiers. And you make a good point. Never have we had a winter where it feels like we need this stadium. Oh. <laughs> well, this winter, is uh, it's been blowing off the Arctic for a period of time. What are we up to? The 17th of uh, June? Yep. It's the first time we've had a northerly. We had a couple of northwesterlies. It's been southwest, southwest, southwest for 17 days straight. Or for se- well, it was started on May the 28th. I do follow the winds fairly, uh, yeah. fairly strongly, Hutto. But Marvel Stadium, let's hope, Jared, we get a cracking match like that Swans-Carlton game and the roar and the atmosphere. And we've got two teams here, not as many uh, Swans supporters here, here that day as there should be Carlton and Essendon. All right. Well, that's a good positive note to step off on. So we're going to delve with both camps pretty shortly, uh, Essendon and St Kilda. Let's do last night first. Okay. Unrequited we are out of last night. If the Nunes goal stands and it's yeah. three points of difference and Carlton have just kicked four goals in six minutes, what happens next? Wasn't it a magical moment in footy? Just this, you know, momentum. There's nothing more exciting than seeing momentum in a game of footy. And to see it robbed by, you know, I think an error really frustrated me. I thought Jason Dunster last night on Fox Footy was the first one to show it for what it was. All fingers were moving. There was no absolute evidence there to overturn it. And it doesn't matter what the AFL have said officially. It doesn't stack up. It was a goal in anyone's language, insufficient evidence every day of the week. So do you think if they defaulted to umpire's call, do you think we would all be bluing about that or we would go gone, yeah, fair enough, you can't quite tell what happened there? No, I think it was exactly the umpire's call. I think they're sometimes in such a hurry because they've been told to hurry it up and get it right. He saw the wobbling fingers. And I think the other fallacy from what I understand is there's no other angles. Yeah, so there's can there's I only share... TV angles. <laughs> this idea, but they have... So this is quoting John Ralph's story, and he's not the only one, so I'm not putting it on Ralphie, but they have high-definition, super slow-mo footage that in this case gave them enough evidence to make a confident call. Well, that's bulldust. Correct. There is no, there is no additional high-definition, super slow-mo footage that we don't see. There aren't all these mystery cameras around the ground that are all wired into the arc that we don't get to watch on television. That creates just a completely false picture of the evidence. Now, they've got fancy-schmancy screens and they've got a bit of zooming here and there, which might be a bit... But this idea that, oh, no, 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 they had the, they had the Zapruder film. <laughs> Bulldust! Oh, it was only a matter of time of uh, winding him up and letting him go on this particular yes. issue. This is your issue, Jared. You've uh, been on this for a number of years, but I'm with you on this particular one. And even the press statement, the press statement's not emphatic. They had enough evidence. Well, rubbish. What's the evidence? I mean, you've either got 100% evidence. What, you've got 75% evidence? You've got 63% evidence? Do, do we want touch off the boot to be, like, a minuscule touch? Because in a mark, how many times does, does a defender go, yeah. I touched it? And you can see that he probably nicked it, but the attacker actually had 98% of it. And the umpire says, oh, well, he might have touched it. Bad luck. That's a mark. I think, Hutto, we've got 
we've got to a position, if you're using technology, you've got to use it. Yeah. But it has to be definitive. Yes. And unfortunately, last night, it, it wasn't definitive. I mean, the stuff I saw with Jason Dunstall, it was just close up of what Fox had. And he was on the money. The, it would appear to me that the adjudicator saw the fingers wobble, but they're all wobbling independent of the football. Clearly, if you're a good enough defender, you should be wobbling your <laughs> fingers as the ball Do you comes train out. that, Jonesy? Is that part of the new defence? Oh, wobble that, the fingers? Hunter, that's a classic. <laughs> the other issue, he may very well have touched yes. us, yeah. but that's not the point. That's the point not. is, was it absolutely definitive in what we were looking at that the ball was touched? Because that's what it has to be. It wasn't a great night for the goal umpers. I, mean, they, 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 I feel for uh, the history of the game, actually, because the, the decision to review an incident where it happened three feet away from the goal umper last night. It came off someone's elbow and he didn't know whether it went through for a point or a goal or whatever. I mean, it just made me question how many mistakes were made in the 60s, 70s, 80s and the 90s. I mean, I absolutely believe Libba. I think Libba, by virtue and by weight of errors by goal umpires, he was on the money. And it's cost the Bulldogs a flag. <laughs> the game itself, what did you think, Nathan? Oh, well, I think Richmond well and truly staked their claim as, uh, like, they've been building somewhat, but, you know, the way they performed, particularly in that first half, was outstanding. I think, you know, not to take anything away from Richmond, but I think Carlton have got a little bit of work to do. I reckon um, you know, they got the job done against a weak Essendon side last week, but I feel like last night, in particular, the um, the Tigers exposed some of the issues that Carlton are facing at the minute, and particularly around that midfield group, the dominance that they were having early in the season is not the dominance they're, they're you know, um, I guess, presenting right now. And I think teams have done a lot of homework on them, particularly from their work from centre bounce. And, uh, and Richmond went after them, uh, after them with their pressure. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, it makes for a really interesting season um obviously it tightens the ladder up but uh you know Carlton who I have been pretty bullish on all year and I had I was quite optimistic early in the year about the Tigers uh you know Carlton are, are looking a little shaky and Richmond are certainly building well I think the shakiness comes from I think just a lack of defense I mean Young was superb last week last week Young was the number one rated Carlton player and last night he was probably the lowest rated Carlton player he fumbled a lot and if Wietering is in that side, um, Tom Lynch doesn't get off the hook as much. Or if Mitch McGovern's in the side, it's a similar story, Oscar McDonald. So they've got it's a, a cursed position, isn't it? It is. At the and, and all Durden's of a sudden, Durden's out for four weeks. So based on their injuries, you know, I thought they did a pretty good job to get back into that game. It was cooked at half time, uh, sorry, at quarter time. And yet to, to work their way in, to be three points down, had that kick been allowed by a friendly goal up, or it was actually the match review, man. That was a darn good effort. So it tells me they've got they've got the energy, the spirit, the coach, the you know the the field to go all the way if they can just cover their injuries until they come back. The trouble for Carlton is, and Cher is another big out, is that they've got a really tough draw coming up the next month. And uh, you know they may, if they make the eight, they may just fall into the eight, which is not where I thought they could be. Their footy's been as good as footy as I've seen, the equivalent of what I've seen this year. Their best. But uh, injuries kill you. You can't win flags with a, you know, with a back line missing. I thought Vossi spoke really well post-game, but the, the, the odd thing from Carlton's point of view is their strength, yep. their notional strength. In the last two weeks, they've actually been beaten around yeah. the ball and at the clearances, haven't they? Which, is, well, it's a worry in one sense, but yet they were still able to fight back and, 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 uh, and they won last week, obviously. And yeah, no, I think they'll get better at that. And even to Coning in the ruck, a couple of times I saw he hit it to the wrong quarter of the, of the centre circle, even though he, he won it and they lost the... The ball, but they'll get better at that. Um, I think Mackay, just I look at him and I think, my God, how much has this bloke improved? I know he was the medalist last year, but his overall impact and his, you know, he, he was unstoppable. And, and maybe there's an issue with Tarrant there with speed. So that's something they need to, to work out whether he's going to be able to cover. But I'm not sure Superman could have stopped Mackay in that last oh, quarter. He was a man possessed, wasn't he? He and was the, incredible. And Kerner had a poor game. Yeah. So, but you know, Grimes I don't think. He's a hell of a player, isn't he? And, yeah. But, you know, Richmond, I, I reckon they're coming. And are you convinced, Jared? I know you weren't. But, uh, gee. 
I reckon their game is is on. Big, is, big game next week is against building. the Cats, isn't it? Now? It is, and the, and Dusty is yet to get anywhere near his best. So they're exciting, and it's exciting for the comp. Yeah, the only complication with it is I felt it was Carlton Light, and Carlton Light was coming all over the top of yeah, them. That's and, true. and I don't know what would have happened. So yes, for, what was it? Forty-one clearances and seventy-six inside fifties, yeah. yeah. and they played the wet. It was almost as if Carlton had never seen rain before. Right. Richmond, they were quite brilliant yeah. when the rain was at its heaviest through the first quarter and a half. And you kick the first six goals in that, in those conditions and you're going to win. We were in the lift uh, with Nathan Brown and he was uh, telling us a story of his history where he was uh, out here playing for the Western Bulldogs and uh, he showed the football just prior to halftime when they were five goals up. David King didn't like it. He chested him. And uh, he let him know that the footy gods will pay him back. Well, uh, the Kangaroos kicked seven in the third and they lost. I'm sure he'll talk about it uh, on his own media uh, outlets tonight. But, uh, gee, it was an interesting one. How would you have handled it, Jones? We'll we'll we come back to old bull, young bull okay. on taunting opposition players. The Shaster <laughs> would have needed an, a getaway car last night if that, had gone, if that had gone sour. We're heading into the Essendon count to set the scene with Daniel G and Syracuse uh, assistant coach. Daniel, great to have you with us on AFL Nation. Thanks for having me, guys. Our team will have all sorts of questions, but I just want to know about Massimo D'Ambrosio and how he's won his place so quickly in this senior side. Well, I'd like to say it's all our coaching over the last 14 days, but uh, I think a fair bit of credit's got to go to his coaches at Point Cook and the Western Jets. And I know he played a couple of games for uh, Richmond VFL, and I'm sure they'll try and claim him, but... Uh, he's just a natural footballer and um, he's a lovely kid. I think, I don't know if you've seen the social media stuff where he told his yep. family and, um, yeah, he's just a ripper and uh, he gets to the right spots. Uh, we've seen that pretty quickly and hopefully he can do that tonight. So where will he play tonight? Where should we look for him? He'll be at halfback, so he'll join into that uh, that backline group. And to be honest, we need a bit of spark out of the back end. We've been a bit safe and uh, hopefully he can provide a bit of that with some of the other guys that are down there as well. Daniel, we spoke with uh, Josh Marnie prior to last week's game and, he, and we asked him what should we uh, expect to see with a simplified game plan. It was, and it was all around pressure and intensity, clearance, contested ball. Were you guys happy with what you saw last week against the Blues? Uh, uh, in those areas, we were reasonable. Um, you know, we had over 70 tackles, which was one of our better games for the year. Our pressure was right up. Um, you know, that probably got us in the end in the contest, which... Uh, they've been really strong at. So we're okay in those areas. We just want to add elements to our game now. But if we can have that as a mainstay, then we can work on the system type stuff. And uh, it's a constant work in progress. We've seen it in patches this year, but uh, not for long enough, over four quarters. Well, just on the system, uh, Gia, your inability to defend is your Achilles heel. You're 17th in 22, you're 18th, 21, 18th in 20, and 15th in 19. It's It's... We know the, the problem and we know the facts. The issue is, what are we expecting to see tonight to try and fix that? Yeah, we've talked about it during the week. Um, it's definitely there and uh, we talk about it a fair bit and it's trying to trying to action that as much as possible. I think the second quarter against Carlton was really inexcusable in terms of they went transitional mm. 67%, but then in the second half, they were only about 20. So, so what did you do in the third quarter? from a structural perspective that you didn't do in the second quarter? No, we, had, we, we had an intent. We had an intent to squeeze the ground up and, and get after the opposition more than um, yep. what we did in the first half. And that's what's frustrating for us. I think the group knows what we want it to look like, but accessing that for the whole four quarters uh, and knowing teams aren't going to give that to you has been the biggest challenge this year. So we'll continue to work on it. Um, we really want to step into this game. I think, you know, over the last few weeks, we probably sort of waited to see what the opposition were going to throw at us. Uh, and we've talked about that this week. So hopefully you see a, a desire to get after the opposition, um, both from an attacking sense, but defensively to shut them down really quickly. St Kilda like to control the ball and find that mark. We'll want to try and squeeze up on that really quickly and keep the ball in our front half. So just to dig down a little bit more, because a lot of uh, Essendon supporters will be listening to this, yep. uh, is it, and it's probably multi-layered and uh, a combination of everything, are you focusing on pressure at the source when the ball gets turned over deep in your forward 50? Are you, are you too slow to come up and squeeze up the ground? Are, you, are your defenders... Are your defenders too slow or sitting back too far? And, or is your midfield not pushing up and there's that gap through the middle of the ground? 
It's a bit of everything, Jared. Um, unfortunately, so but it's it's all of us. It's an 18-man team yeah. defence, and the I think the thing you talked about there is we need to locate an opponent really quickly, slow the game and slow the ball down. Uh, as I said, that Carlton game in the second quarter, they were really fast and just transitioned too quickly, and it's hard to defend guys like McKay and Kerno. So uh, it's going to take all of us. We've got to snap really quickly and, and find a man to hopefully slow them down. Uh, we've seen in patches throughout games, we've done it well and we've got the results. So um, the consistency is the key for us and whether we can access that. Can I talk about a couple of real positives from last week? Dylan uh, Dylan Shield, highest rated game he's had for the year. Eight clearances, game high, game high contested possessions. He looks like he wants to make a statement. The other one, Ben Hobbs, really impressed with him last year, but he was recruited as a mid. He didn't uh, get to any centre clearances, yet... Uh, you know, he had a really strong game post-clearance in the contested ball. Can we see him trying to fill some of the space left by Darcy Parrish? Yeah, so I'll answer the second one first. Yeah, I think he will. Um, as you said, he's he's been recruited as a midfielder. Uh, we've had experienced guys in there. He's had little snippets of it, and we've seen him um, access his skill set there. But I think we're teaching him how to run. Yep. Uh, I don't think you can just be a bull in this competition and just stay around the ball. You've got to be able to spread and get out. And I think he's doing that as a high half forward where you've got to get up and down the ground. So I think that'll hold him in good stead uh, throughout his career. Um, but we'll definitely see him in there tonight. And Shearley, it's a credit to him because, as you'd all know, he was under the pump at the start of the year. Um, it's well documented. We've sort of challenged him on areas of his game that he needed to get better at. And for him to have 10 tackles and lead the way for the group, uh, we really celebrated that during the week and we need others to jump on board in that area. Just further that, Jay. Yeah, I thought it was it was missed a little, not, not completely missed by everyone. We certainly wrapped him up during the game. But because you lost and, then, and I guess the media tends to focus on the negatives, I, I didn't think enough made of that was a yeah. That appeared to be a breakthrough uh, performance by Dylan. And, and from what you, the way you've answered that, it, it seems like that's what, how you guys saw it as well. Yeah, we did. We did. And, and Dylan, you know, he's a proud guy and uh, he's been a very good player in this competition for a while now. And um, as I said, it's great that he, he stood up to that challenge about working on a, his defensive side. And it's not an excuse, but a reason it, Snelling and Langford are really big parts to our system and, and the roles they're playing. We've asked younger guys to do that because they've been out of the side. So we think once we get guys like that back and Shearley's going to work on that defensive element of his game, we're going to be stronger in that area. So um, I know it's been quite negative, but we're seeing the positive sides. And again, like I said earlier in the conversation, we've got to access that consistently over four quarters to beat a side like St Kilda who are right up there in the competition. And Ben Rutten gave a fairly honest assessment post-game last week of, uh, of Jake Stringer. So, obviously, the, the positives we just spoke of are Dylan Shield. Can we expect a pretty big response from him? Yeah, I've known Jake for a while now, and he tends to respond to those um, words that are spoken about him. I had him at the Bulldogs, um, and then, obviously, since I've come, off, come over to Essendon. So... Um, yeah, he'll respond. Another guy that's quite proud. He needs to continue to work on his game. He has missed a fair bit of footy, um, but I'll, I'd expect that you see a bit more from him and probably see a bit more of him in the centre bounce, which will be good for us. Was he annoyed about the public comments? Uh, I haven't uh, broached that with him, to be honest, Hutto, but um, as I said, he's a proud guy and he's a very good player and has been in this competition, uh, looking to access that from the get-go tonight. And did he not go into the centre bounce last week just because it was his first game back? No, nah, I, I think he, he's, he was able to go in there if he wanted to. Archie Perkins played a bit more through there, so we're trying to find the balance there about, yep. you know, as you said, with Hobbs, trying to find those guys and put them through the, through the middle, but you'll see a bit more of him in there tonight. And it's Peter Wright's 100th game tonight. Yeah. He's clearly played his best footy at Essendon. Just uh, leave us with an impression of, uh, of two-metre Peter. Oh, he's a great guy. He's probably our most professional guy at the footy club. Um, he's definitely at the club probably the longest out of any of our players in terms of watching footage and seeing how he can get an advantage on the defenders that are playing against him. Um, yeah, it's great to see what he's put in for us over over the journey in the couple of years that he's been here. And um, we'll need a big game from him, but he'll compete really hard. It's good that he's got a bit more around him in terms of Jake and, and that resting ruck as well as Jonesy because they can definitely help each other out. But I uh, can't speak highly enough of him because uh, he's, he's attacked his game exceptionally well and it's because he puts the work in. 
Daniel, good to have you with us in the build-up. Thanks. No worries, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Daniel Gian, Syracuse, Essendon assistant coach. Uh, tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. So that Dylan Shield, if he backs it up again tonight, mate, to, maybe yeah. he gets the the plaudits. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great. It was great to see. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to have, to dig into his mind, and, and obviously they were pushing the defensive elements. But what led to that? sudden performance last week because it was quite I mean it was great but it was quite stark compared to what he delivered. Well he was emphatic Uh, I think he he just wanted to make a statement and I think he'd had a gut full of all the negative press and uh, he's a proud guy as Julia said and he's a a darn good footballer at his best and uh, it was a great response but as has been the case uh, since Joe was a boy the uh, best player on the ground and the winning side is a superstar and the best player for the losers uh, was a good trier and uh, rarely ever gets the ride up Never gets the votes, rarely gets the right up. Mm. And we can talk more later. The comments about Jake Stringer were interesting, weren't they? And as was Gia's response to those comments there. So clearly something that Ben Rutten thought would push the right buttons. We might toss that into old bull, young bull as well. Uh, the, the public sting from the coach. Tonight's St Kilda game is for Holmes Glen. Enrol mid-year at Holmes Glen. Jared Ruffhead is about to join us. It's Spud's game here at Marvel Stadium on a Friday night. The AFL Nation pre-game show, the Beaumont Tiles huge sale is on right now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. and Essendon to do battle. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Nathan Jones and Jared Healy with you. With us on the boundary inside the St Kilda camp is Jared Ruffhead. Jared, great to have you on the program. Hello, guys. How are we? How big an occasion is, is Spud's game for the club and for the team? Yeah, well, I guess after, you know, the game against Melbourne last year where it was the first time, it was something pretty special. You know, I was a bit of a fan when we saw Plugger in the rooms and he was presenting Jack Sinclair <laughs> with, his, with his jumper and whatnot. And then you see... Uh, this year where it was earmarked pretty, pretty early in the year that we were going to be playing the Bombers on, on Friday night. And, you know, they did a number on us last year by looking at the scoreboard now, 75 points. So to, to go through the week and see, um, you know, the people that have come out to the footy club, the lunch that we had yesterday at, um, at the tennis centre, it's just been a big week for the footy club, which is great. Ruffy, after the loss last week, mate, uh, what were the takeaways and what can we see you boys implement tonight? Oh, no, um, <laughs> no, mate. To be honest, uh, you know we were, we were within the game. We were in the game, and when Max has that shot ten minutes in the last quarter to maybe put us a point up, you're probably thinking that we were lucky in a way. But I think we've shown this year and, and grown from last year, where we were probably blown away in games that we're, we're we're staying in games and probably you know making them a little bit more ugly than what we probably have in the past, and when it's not just ping pong footy. So, uh, as I said, to be you know a chance to be in front. Uh, with 10 minutes to go in the last quarter, there's definitely a lot of positives because I think Brisbane now have won 23 of the last 24 up there. So to push them like we did was was um, a positive. But I think, you know, when we have three on the bench and only one rotation in that last quarter, we probably ran out of a bit of legs. Yeah, the injury certainly did take their toll, Ruffy, and uh, great to have a chat to you. Brad Hills had a really good uh, month bar last week uh, where it was a lower scoring quarter or match he's had for a, a long period of time. Why the decision to play him forward? Oh, I think we just we knew that um, you know with their their halfbacks in Coleman and Rich that they're pretty dangerous boys, and if we could try and make them somewhat accountable to uh, a player, it was and someone as as you know as dangerous as Hilly, where he can run you know anywhere in the yeah. ground, it was a way to try and get him involved. But when Ainsworth went to him, um, it made it quite tough for Hilly to probably do his thing normally, and we probably didn't get him into the game as much either. I mean, you know, we had 14 or 16 inside 50s for that second half, so you're not going to really get much service. Um, or play well when you get those type of numbers. It reminded me a lot, and, and you played well and you're in the game, uh, and I thought you probably might have won the game uh, had you not lost those players last week. So there were lots of pluses, but there was also a lot of things that you know were nowhere near your best. You know, Clearances, for instance, very few points coming from your clearances. You won first possession, but you couldn't turn it into... Uh, a second and third position. You were beaten up on pressure around the ball, a bit like the Collingwood game in round one. 
Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, you know, I think we actually won hit-outs too, which it is, is, you know, between Ryder and, and Marshall giving the mids the first use. You take out Steele, you take out Zach in that, you know, basically the second half and also Mitch Owens, you kind of lose your big bulls in there that normally win those first possessions and win your clearances. So when when you've got three or four out that are, you know, your top liners, it makes it pretty hard for those next folks, especially when you're coming up against Neil and Lyons and these type of boys. So on a positive... Brad Crouch, his last month, he, you know, he's probably in the best dozen midfielders in the competition. He's been absolutely superb for the Saints. Yeah, agree. And, you know, when he came across, he had those first two games out, but since then he hasn't missed. So, um, you know, the synergy amongst him and the group is pretty high when you have, uh, when you play a lot with the group, and he's showing that. And, 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 you know, to his credit, when you have Steely and those boys out, he's really stepped up and played well. Ruffy, having spent much of your career watching... Uh right next to Buddy Franklin flourish into the player he is. How good can Max King be? <laughs> oh, mate, it, 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 he's, he's very, very special. And, you know, he's 20, 21 years old. I think he's 22 next month. So to see what he's been able to do in his first 50 career AFL games, um, you know, that's why we all come to the footy to see blokes like that. And, um, you know, with the way that he plays footy, the amount of shots he gets on goal, the, the big marks and, and big goals, I mean, that's... You know, that's why we're, we're all big forward fans as kids. No one really remembers the blokes punching them. <laughs> spoken like a true forward, Ruffy. <laughs> and spoken correctly. Yeah, we got Sp- Spuds game tonight, <laughs> so exactly. we, do, we do remember the odd defender. <laughs> well, we have to. I do agree there. But, yeah, most forwards are rege- uh, most defenders are reject forwards. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, Ruffy, when you came out of the game, you were talking about going down the list management and, um, you know, other leadership kind of style initially. Are you yep. still of that mindset or are you coming around to the idea of being, perhaps being a senior coach one day? <laughs> definitely not, Otto. Uh, I think, you know, the, definitely the last two years has been a bit um, unfortunate just because of COVID and not really being able to get, you know, stuck into uh, the list management, going to the Nationals and stuff like that. But, you know, next week I think, uh, well, the Nationals start Sunday and then next week after our Sydney game we'll watch one in Sydney and then go to Adelaide on Sunday. So starting to get more, you know, dragged down that path, which is what I'm liking and doing the contracts and whatnot. But um, still enjoy, you know, having a bit of a, you know, roll on the bench, I dare say, on, on game day. But if I'm going to be going down that path, I'll probably have to get out of that soon. And one more for you, Ruffy. You're pulling the boots on tomorrow, oh, aren't you? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yep. So I've done the ice bars and whatnot, Nathan. I know <laughs> you haven't lined up yet either. So, uh, yeah, down at Gormandale tomorrow against Glengarry. So head off about 9.30 and hopefully uh, don't embarrass myself. <laughs> you confident? Well, I'm not going to play wing, so <laughs> I'm making sure. We're actually, so I've looked at the ladder. We're second bottom and we're playing third bottom, and we've both had one win, but the win that we've had against is against his team. So um, it's dry. Um, I'm going in yeah, reasonably confident. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank got you. Some pre- got some pressure on. I'll tell you what, I hope those midfielders put it on your chest. But uh, <laughs> the delivery... And the ball movement uh, for your opponents today is the worst in the competition going D50 to forward 50. And yet probably what hasn't been discussed that much is yours is not that much better if you if you just base it on champion data numbers. You're, you're running at about 15. So there's a lot of things that can improve given that you're so high up on the ladder. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's one thing that you get really, really frust- frustrated with, especially as a key forward. Um, just seeing the delivery to our blokes, we probably don't kick it to their advantage as well. We don't... Yep you know, pick the right option, whether it be lead up or out the back. Uh, I think that's one thing that we can definitely get better at moving forward is just that connection between mids, halfbacks, wingers and, and definitely the forwards. And that's not on the kickers. It's probably on the blokes, you know, the forwards leading as well. Sometimes they get it wrong and um, they just want it over the back instead of having to, you know, work pretty hard to the other side of their opponent and lead up. So it's definitely something that we, you know, we addressed in the mid-season break. And I, I think every week you go, you know, trying to look at it to see how you can best get a good shot rather than a great shot rather than a good shot. One of the things that frustrates me is, and I, I continually hear this nonsense about lowering your eyes, I mean, your peripheral vision is there. You don't have to lower your eyes, but it's also you can see the long option, and yet the long option seems to be almost detrained out of people. And yet if I'm a forward like Max King or Jared Ruffhead uh, playing in the country tomorrow, if, if I'm on the burst, I'm not sure why you can't kick the ball long and stick it on your chest like full forwards have uh, had done for a millennium. No, I agree there too. The, the unfortunate thing is is that these big key forwards are just beacons. So 
you know, when you play second fiddle to Bud all those years, you yep. understand that they just stand out when you feel like you're in a better position. And, and when you've got someone as talented as Max that um, stands out the way that he does, I think he, sometimes he probably attracts balls that he shouldn't get. But in saying that, uh, the boys have probably got better, got to get better at sharing the load there too. Jared, great to have you with us. Good luck tomorrow and good luck tonight. Yes, good Thanks, luck. boys. Have a good call. Good, good luck, night, mate. Jared Ruffhead from inside the St Kilda Stretch camp. up those hammies. You can't dislower your eyes in Spud's game. No. <laughs> that was one <laughs> of his was, go-tos. Yeah, I, I think it was born from uh, the lips of lethal, but Spud definitely adopted it <laughs> strongly. Too. But I've always thought, you can see it in your peripheral vision. You don't actually have to lower your eyes. I mean, what I see a lot of, and it is frustrating, is people ignore the, the longer option. It's it's sitting there so many times, but Josie. a long pass, not a, a long, long bomb. No, not a long bomb. Yep. I mean, kicking it to someone on a lead, I see forwards frustrated that they don't get it, and they kick it 12 metres. Player umpire says it's a mark, but uh, should be play on, and there's a better option down the track. Maybe we've got to lift our eyes, Jonesy. That's <laughs> a... Fair point. All right, we'll get into the issues of the week and play a bit of old bull, young bull as we work our way toward the opening siren. Our AFL Nation feedback across the weekend on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. And tonight is Spud's game. Help us honour Spud's legacy. Buy a virtual footy today at movember.com slash spud. A sports news update for Rold. Eat good with Rold. It's fast, fresh Vietnamese. The Golden State Warriors have won their seventh NBA championship and fourth in eight years, beating Boston 103-90 in Game 6. It gives the Warriors a 4-2 series win. Steph Curry has been named the NBA Finals MVP. Graham Arnold says the Socceroos have been under a lot of pressure over the past few years. The coach telling SEN Radio their win over Peru came thanks to a strong culture. What the boys showed the other night and what they showed the, the last couple of weeks was, you know, when, you, when you're together as a family and you're you, you build a culture of mateship and you build a culture of, you know, you, you've got your mates back. And in the US Open golf, it's been a horror opening round for Australian PGA champion Jed Morgan, finishing 12 over par on his major debut. That's the latest in sport. I'm April Austin. Eat good with rolled. It's fast, fresh, Vietnamese. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. The Melbourne issue that just won't go away has been sparked further on uh, tonight. So you will have read that Glenn Bartlett, the ex-president, released a statement which spoke of keeping the club free of workplace bullying, gambling, harassments and illegal drugs and further claims that he'd been subjected to threats, deceitful conduct, uh, conduct and a public campaign to discredit he and his partner. And he also stated the decision to step down when I did was mine. I did so to ensure minimal distraction after a very promising and indeed historic start to the season. <laughs> Melbourne's board, sort of as politely as you can, have gone primarily... We would like to address the club's change of presidency in April 2021. It was the unanimous decision of the board to request Glenn resign as president. We acknowledge that a change of leadership at a club is, difficult, is a difficult time for all involved and out of respect for Glenn and his service to the club, when the time came for him to hand over the presidency, we endeavoured to respectfully acknowledge his achievements and contribution. They blasted him out. <laughs> Yes, and that was what uh, was, I think, uh, the accepted view when it happened. And I think the footy world accepted uh, that we'll just move on and let it go out of respect to Glenn. And uh, Glenn had done a lot of good work for that footy club over a long time, a lot of difficult times. And so I think that that's where everyone thought it should remain. And unfortunately, it's been, you know, put back front and centre of uh, the public uh, sphere. And I don't see any great outcome as... I don't think Glenn's going to garner any public support. He may win his legal stoush, but uh, ultimately I don't think it's he's going to be uh, great. get any great satisfaction out of it. It's always difficult uh, premierships. Um, a great mentor of mine, Tom Hafey, said many times to me, premierships are great, but uh, the fight for who gets the credit afterwards is often the greatest test of a footy club. And I'm not sure that's the case on this particular of situation but it sort of reeks up to, to a small degree and no one's a winner out of this so just move on 
it fuels an ongoing turmoil for Melbourne on a whole number yeah. of fronts. I can't believe we're still talking about it. It's just extraordinary. I thought, not to make light of a tip, but Nick Del Santo's line last week when you were on crunch time when you were discussing this, Stephen May, Jake Melksham and, and those issues, and he goes, you know, I, I just... I, I, I'm just so glad I didn't win a premiership. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to deal with these issues. Yeah, I heard that was good. It was very good. But the, I mean, the, I don't think the players. I don't think it had seeped down to the players. I mean, I think the players have got their own issues, and I, you know, trying to, I guess, conflate what's going on at board level to what's going on at coach and player level, Jonesy, I think is misdirected. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. You know, I still remember back to some of that unfolding early days and you know as far as from a player's perspective we hear the comments in the media for instance that were said a couple of years ago internally we sort of address it and you you literally move on you know we're so you're so focused and entrenched in what you're trying to do and performance whatever's going on and even within the club at that level, at board level, is just outside noise to some extent. Mm. Um, and yet we are told when you – I remember being told from years ago from you know, coming into footy that Ron, Ron Barassi, you would ask him, you know, how do you change the culture of a footy club? Well, the most important appointments are the get the board right, get the CEO right, and then – then you can then you'll get everything right at the club and, and clubs with a history of instability have a history of struggling on the field. But yeah, but that's instability at board level. I mean, that doesn't then per, you've got to have a stable board to appoint yep. the right people, and that's fine. But we're talking about a stink on the board. Is it being discussed at player level? Is it impacting on what we see out in the ground? And I don't think so. Particularly a side we well, know clearly it a, didn't last year. Well, particularly no. a side as accomplished as Melbourne. I yep. mean, they're having. Issues, but uh, I don't think it's got anything to do with uh, what's happening in the head office. None whatsoever, from where I sit. So what are their issues that they're dealing with? So losing three in a row, the the punch-up, which is now fully resolved, and Max Gorn out for three to five. Yeah, they've just got some work to do. Like, um, they're struggling for form, absolutely. And it, it, from where I sit, it's a lot more so around their defence and pressure than necessarily their efficiency and scoring and these kind of things. Um, I think they can improve and they've got a fair few levels to rise in that space. Uh, I think from the statistics last week, they were the second uh, lowest ranked team from a pressure perspective. Now, that's a long way off what, what they were last year. Defensively, clearly, in all phases of the game defensively, the number one team in the competition. So there's a lot to improve when there. When Simon Goodman was asked about that, he kind of hinted that it was to do with structurally as, you know, but that's a big jump, isn't it? For a big fall from where they were one of the best pressure teams to one of the, like, what could be changing structurally? Because we know the pressure is, well, we can see, you know, sometimes you have a view of pressure and the numbers don't always, because it's a, a statistical measure, don't, doesn't always match. Generally, it's a pretty good guide. And that's a big gap between where they were and where they are now. So, is there any structural explanation for that, or is that just about effort and... Oh, yeah, I think it, some of it will be to do with mindset. Other other parts of it will be to do with the efficiency in which they're executing that. So you heard Daniel Jean Syracuse before talk about Essendon trying to get all on the same page. It's an 18-man defence, and there's so many moving parts in that to make it successful, whether it's pressure from your forwards, whether it's the efficiency and ability to be able to win clearance and then close the outlets and the ability for the backs to have the courage to squeeze up the ground and close outlets and close space down. There's just that 18-man defence, it needs everyone on the same page. And I think in Melbourne's case, it's just, a, you know, there's a few sort of little issues amongst that and they're, they're going to have to refine that. And then you add on another layer on top of that is the reigning premiers and every team is doing even more homework, trying to break down every facet and every aspect of their game. So I think the first thing that Simon Goodwin needs to address in the players is the work rate. Is it structure because the work rate's not there or is it structure because you're working hard enough but you're just going to the wrong spots? The, that's the first question because if it's the former, you can fix it. Um, pretty clearly it's a mental thing and if it's the latter it's an education thing and it seems difficult for me given their premiership players that it's an education thing they know where to run so maybe there's a bit of a drop-off in work rate 
and they're facing a good old-fashioned premiership hangover, as Lee Matthews, who has been involved in many, many premierships, often says. You don't see these things in round one. You see them about round ten. They won ten matches in a row. Things were great. And yet, you know, slowly... I've seen the first quarter against the Swans. Their footy was Harlem Globe Trotter-esque. It was irresistible. And yet when the game was challenged, the hard work came in, they dropped off. So I think there's a bit of a premiership hangover element to this, that they need to get the super hard work, the super dedication to run to the spot, even though you're not going to get the possession. Um, the one thing we're not quite certain about is the hangover from the Entrecote saga. And I don't think we're ever going to understand that until the end of the season. And maybe we'll never understand it completely if it uh, does unfold to some degree. And, and, and an unfolding for Melbourne is not to make the grand final. That's an unfolding. That's yeah. the level that this side is at. I mean, they are so clearly the best side in the comp that, you know, to not make the grand final is a big, big loss. Let's say they've, you know, without a serious run of injuries. But uh, there's, oh. a few, there's a few chasing them now. We've seen them without Stephen May. Now we see them without Max Gorn. That, that is one of the fascinating questions of the, of the year for me. I mean... Well, I, I sort of look at it, it creates opportunity. Um, you know, Luke Jackson probably hasn't found the spark of last year. Now does he get more permanent run? There is an element of having to more permanent run in the ruck, but there is an element of now how does that dynamic work because I don't think they have a genuine second ruck option. So that's going to be somewhat makeshift. Whether that's Wiedemann, are they going to have to use Ben Brown in some capacity? Do they try you know, a, a taller mid? I, I don't know what they're going to do in that space, but at the same time, I think it, it presents a chance for them to come up with something a little bit different. They become a little less predictable. Are they still your premiership favourite? Yep. Wiedemann got selected, did he? I didn't check. Oh, no, so they're I playing Thursday night. So the okay, they've got the bye. Yeah, 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 sure. They're relevant so, now because they'll have played by the time we yeah. get regather. Surely Wiedemann gets selected. I mean, I know his form hasn't been super, but isn't it now or never for the Weed? If, you, if you're oh, not in this side, given that he's committed to Melbourne and he's ignored plenty of offers, it's now or never both for Melbourne to find out about him and him to find out about himself. I couldn't agree more. I was uh, I was actually shocked when we heard about the extent of the McDonald injuries yep. and how long he'd be out. I was automatically in my own mind. I thought, well, here's his chance, yep. kind of thing, and he wasn't picked. Now, I don't, as you said, you know, he's for, he wasn't necessarily crashing the door down, but it was just an obvious choice for mine. They obviously went a bit of a different way with uh, with Brownie. So, but he was selected at the draft as a forward ruck. Yeah. And this is the role that's opened yeah, up. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it just really seems common sense, logical, he's got to be in. But, gee, it's a statement if he's not. More with Jared and Nathan in a moment. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech drive a Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. The AFL record this weekend has the interviews with the Hall of Fame inductees, including a rare interview with Tony Lockett regarding Nicky Winmar. So grab that as you head to the games. Grab that from the news agents to take in the weekend. This is AFL Nation, the pregame show. The Beaumont Tiles huge sale is on right now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Sports Power, your local footy experts. It is Spuds game tonight. Help us on a Spuds legacy by a virtual footy today at movember.com slash spud. Before we get to Old Bull, Young Bull, which does have some very tasty topics, I must say, tonight for the generationally challenged, um, how have we seen the Tasmania debate this week, which, which I think had the maybe the greatest red herring I've seen in my time in football? <laughs> with Eddie's vision for it, was presented as if it was something real. He even backed it up. I said he's had North Melbourne people um, contact him saying they should chase it. Well, what is it? Because that doesn't exist. It's a very interesting thought bubble from a creative mind, but it's not real. Well, it's not real if uh, no one in Tasmania supports it. And I haven't heard one person come out and say, uh, we think this has got legs. It's Look, it just keeps reminding me of how... There was a huge opportunity for North Melbourne 
15 years ago, 10 years ago, when the same deal was offered basically for the Gold Coast. The only difference was they were going to have to move to the Gold Coast when I mean, there was $100 million on the table. And uh, from all reports, it was a split decision and one bloke changed his mind and so the future of the club swung on that and they're down in North Melbourne. Now, they haven't got any debt, they tell us, and that's fair enough, but, it, you know, they're in a huge hole, so I can see why it would appeal to some that you're going to fix that huge hole in a, in a hurry. But, I mean, Tasmania don't want it. So it's no point going down there with a half-baked idea. And the one thing we can't do is is have another expansion club that no one is going to watch. That's the one absolute prerogative that needs to be addressed. And I've been down there for North Melbourne games many, many times over many years, and the town isn't a buzz. The town does not get excited about that North Melbourne being there, whether that's North's fault or the AFL's fault or Tassie's fault. It doesn't really matter because the marriage has never been consummated. And, you know, it's, it's a shame because it would be great if North Melbourne was a success down there and it would be fantastic if Tassie took them to their bosom, but they haven't. So I think that's a, a red area. to fail, move North Melbourne there. It'll fail, yeah, all right. It, it will oh. dead fail. Dead fail but and the, imagine asking the government to build a $750 million stadium to repatriate North Melbourne. Yeah, well, that's not going to work. But the, 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 the most critical thing that I saw come out this week was... It would appear Gillen is feeling as if there's uh, wavering, prevarication, uh, lack of solidarity about the commitment to build the $750 million stadium. And so until we've got that commitment, until the game's got that commitment, everything else is a waste of breath. So do, you, do, you, do we all think it's contingent on that, that it has to be delivered yes. that level of a stadium? And it should be too. Yeah. You only get this opportunity once if you look at it from the AFL perspective. So politically in Tasmania, that's still going to be a hot potato, isn't it? Well, that's where they need to they, they need to embrace this as a as a state, because unless they all embrace it, the Greens, the Labor, the Liberal parties, this has got to be a statewide um, uh, a statewide uh, a unified approach, because everyone's going to have to be paying for it. The state government, whoever it is, whatever colour it is, they are going to have to tip some serious money into it, because um, outside of national sponsors that the AFL can help organise, it's going to ultimately come down to AFL help fund it and Tasmanian government help fund it. What's the club's, the voting club's responsibility in this, do we think? Well, I think everybody that I know would agree that Tassie deserves a footy team. Everyone I know says that that's the starting point. But deserving and getting are two different things because it's got to stack up. And uh, I haven't heard one president come out and unconditionally support it without seeing the how. Yeah, well, you can't... I agree with that. You can't support it yet. That's the AFL's job. And the AFL's job is to present a... just a fully-fledged, generational, aspirational team stadium deal. And this is what Gil... This is the marker of Gil's administration, is doing this deal. And then then the clubs, uh, I firmly believe... Once you get to that point, if it's all there, then it's their job to ratify it, not to oppose it. Even if they don't believe it's... It doesn't matter whether those 18 people believe in it or not. If the AFL presents it and says the game can afford this yeah. and this is for the generations to come the the vision for the growth of the competition then those 18 people i believe have no right to oppose it what if they think it jeopardizes the future of their own club potentially well that that's the afl's job to clear that hurdle so that it doesn't yeah, but if, well that's true but if they and, and they ratified gold coast and gws <laughs> like I, I i love tony cochran i think he's a great figure in footy he is just so wrong about this standing there going it's not viable tony your club's not viable mate not even vaguely and never will be so but that it, is it the issue I mean, that's for different what... reasons and tassie's going to be done for different reasons as well but, but once again that is the the issue how many non-viable sides can we have we were sold the 20, 30-year vision for Greater Western Sydney, and I think we've all been supportive of Greater Western Sydney and the Gold Coast, and yet one of the great... But, what, but saying it's a 30-year plan completely exonerates you from any sort of accountability, yeah. doesn't Yeah, it? but I think they should have, should have laid down some benchmarks. After 10 years, we expect an average of 8,000 people to turn up to the games, and right now I don't think they can say that. And I know we've had COVID, so that sort of compromises it. But, you know, they almost need relaunching both of those clubs post-COVID to 
to sort of get some energy back into them because it's okay for us to watch them and be excited about Stewie Jew and the, the, the Suns doing well, but there's no one in the, set, the stands excited, and that's the problem we've got. I've got no doubt that Tassie would get a crowd, um, but, but are the government going to sort of come to the party, fund the, fund the stadium and fund the, thing, the ongoing week-in, week-out expenses? We'll we wait to get the answer to that. Yeah, well, by August. Do, uh, by, do, you, uh, August. do you think we should get some sort of document from Richard Goiter as to the vision for the game? Because I, I think we're at this sort of this sort of point in the game where the vision has been AFLW and everyone supported that, and and that's not an, an income generating through the gates sort of organisation. We know a lot of sponsors are jumping on board because of it. But even one of the criticisms within. The, the women football fraternity has been the lack of a vision. I mean, I think the broad... I mean, Gil jumped ahead even before the... It was, yep. and, and that proved to be a great move. But mm. since then, it hasn't really been a clear roadmap either. So we come to this point in time where Gil's on the way out and there's a new man coming in and every week there's a new, there's a new person put up. Last week it was uh, our former treasurer. Uh, before that it was Tom Harley. The week before that it was whoever it was. Harley Watson-Wheeler was... Yes. So there's lots and lots of people, but you'd love someone actually in the commission to tell us what they think the future is, and this is the person that's going to deliver it. Or is it up to the person to have the dream and convince the commission? It would be interesting to be a fly on the wall in the in the process, wouldn't it, as to what they're actually asking of the person. Do, do they want someone with a vision or the way the terms have been set, it's like, Gil, you do all the deals that matter before yeah. you go, and the new person comes in and twiddles their thumbs. So are we at a point where we need another Carter report, which essentially gets two or three high-paid people to have an overview of where the game's at, uh, at the end of Gillen's tenure, and from a commission level saying, this is where the game is going for 10 years. Because I'm not sure, if you're appointing a, a CEO, let's say Josh Frydenberg turned up, He's the man. What's his job? Is his job just to keep the barrow going in the same direction or is he, is he, are we trying to get more grounds in Sydney? Are we trying to build the ground? Are we trying to get more than one person a year out of the, you know, the greatest populace on the planet between Newcastle and Wollongong? Are we trying to get more grounds for women football, women's, the women's game right across? What is it? What's the big picture that takes over from Gill because his big picture ultimately has been AFLW and keeping the game running at the worst time in its history. Mm. Yeah, which he did incredibly he well. He did. It's a yeah. magnificent performance, but it's reset time. I don't see the reset coming from the top. I don't see Richard Gorder saying, OK, that's been great, Gill. See you later. Now we've got to take the game here. Where are we going to with this game? Yep. It's a great policy platform that, that is absent. It is. I agree with you. I it would be quite thrilling if it was part of the, you know, come, come front the commission with the vision yeah. for the game and, uh, and sell us on it. Well, that'd be, uh, that's the, the missing piece to me because I, I don't feel it. A shout-out to Hyundai. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. And just one final point on that. We are now at war with Rugby League, and for a long time we've had Rugby League's measure because of crowds, because of we're more national. We're only missing from one state and one territory. Peter Vlandes is getting boutique stadiums built for every team in Sydney. So their game has uh, gone ahead in leaps and bounds under him. We've got to, get, we've got to make sure this decision is right. And we've got to have a visionary come in to compete. Gill's done a great job. OK, the war is still on. How do we make this game even better? Old bull, young bull next, taunting the public sting of the coach. Partying in Bali mid-season might even get a run. Who's to say? Tonight's St Kilda game is for Holmes Glen. Enrol media at Holmes Glen. This is the AFL Nation pre-game show. The Beaumont Tiles huge sale is on right now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Uh, Marcus Windhager from the Saints and James Stewart from the Bombers. A bit of old bull, young bull, the generational divide between Nathan Jones and Jared Healy. What did you think when the shaster showed the footy to Sam Doherty last night, Nathan? Oh, I didn't mind it, to be honest. Oh. 
You would never have done it. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it, but... Can you imagine you've caught, Jonesy He's doing jumped it? the shark. He's now a spectator. <laughs> oh, for the theatrics of the game, I was like... Well, like, I looked at it. I'm like, geez, you'd, they'd want to win from here. And if they, if they didn't, he, as you mentioned before, he would have been in the fastest car out of there. But ultimately, you know, you live and die by the sword, and I didn't mind it, to be honest. Like, bit of personality. I, I can understand the comments that came with it post game from teammates and 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 Damien Hardwick as well like but yeah, from where I sit now like doesn't bother me I, I think it's pretty it was pretty funny and I wouldn't have done it but good on him Jared? he backed it up uh shies and shyster <laughs> no I, I I I just don't see any win out of that one for him even though I'm a huge fan I think Damien Hardwick summed it up. I mean, he's a young bloke. He got a bit carried away, but uh, it won't be happening again anytime soon with the <laughs> shyster, I don't think, after Damien sort of uh, reads the right act. He spent two weeks playing like a complete smart aleck. Yeah. And the week before, he kicked four behinds and one out on the full. And last night, worse than the show in the footy was the the lazy shot he took in the third quarter yeah, yeah. from 25 yeah. metres out when he didn't make the distance. And then Carlton went down and kicked the goal. I was thinking he'll need to get across a state line if they lose. And then he did that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, I mean, Damien Hardwick would know exactly what you said. I mean, these are sort of things that creep into your game. You end up paying. The footy gods get you back. And uh, ultimately, Damien's thinking, he's thinking September. You're not doing that stuff. We're not going down that track because we need you focusing 100%. You can do that running into the open goal when you're 40 points up the last quarter of uh, the grand final if you want to really do that stuff, but uh, it'll, it'll mature and you won't see that happen again, I don't think, any time soon. I, re- I remember that Nathan Brown day. Yeah. when I reckon it was out at Princess Park, yeah. is my memory of it. Yeah, and it was early. It was in the first half and then they came back and lost. Yeah, I, I've never seen anybody win out of that stuff. I mean, you can get away with it for one week, but... Uh, you're looking at a long-term career. It doesn't happen too often, and you, and you build your brand on that sort of stuff. It's, I I'm think he, he that knew you, it. He knew, you don't mind it. Oh, like we all don't mind it for the theatrics. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about from a football, from perspective. from a cultural perspective. I, I said to you, I would, I wouldn't have done it, and I wouldn't have. Because it was Sam Doherty. Does that make it worse somehow? hundred oh, percent, it makes yeah. it worse. Now, whether he knew it was Sam Doherty or not, that just inflames the whole situation. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't take the uh, opponent into consideration. It's a good battle, actually, Doherty and the Shyster. I thought, I'm not sure how you judged it. Well, but, that's what uh, we don't know, though. Like, we don't know the intricacies of what was going out on the field. Mm. So, from a spectator's point of view, I think, oh, that's pretty good. Like, I wonder what's going on there. I, If you want me to give an opinion from if I was the captain yeah, of a well, club yeah, or that's... a coach, I'd be like, I would have said all the same things because it, it has, I th- don't think anyone wins from it. Um, and it puts a, a whole heap of unwanted and unneeded pressure on the group and the culture and ultimately what they're trying to build would be all around team and selflessness and that reeks of ignorance and arrogance, yep. which is against what they, they would want to do. It's bet you don't mind it. <laughs> but I don't mind it. Well, from where I sit now, it's, it's, I'm in a different position to where, where <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't clearly. have appreciated it. The public sting of the coach. So Jake String has worn that last week. We wait to see how that looks tonight. What do you think, young bull? Uh, you've got to pick, pick the player. Um, and I think he's probably, well, I would expect to see it tonight. And we need to wait and see that unfold. But I think he's... It's, uh, I think it's a tactic for the right personality and the right player. And I think Jake Stringer, well, I hope Jake Stringer is that. From where I sit, I think he will be. And listening to Gia before in the in the interview, he he tends to agree. Like it's it's something that will inspire him and fire him up. So expect a response from him. The bit that fascinates me is what. That's why I asked Daniel Jim is about. He said I haven't mentioned it to him. Is does the coach talk to him again in private or does he just leave it hanging out there? I've got no doubt he had a chat to him in private and I don't think it was premeditated. He was asked a question. And you don't think it was? No, I don't think it was. I mean, I, I didn't think it was brutal. I thought it was, I mean, he's had a poor game and uh, we need more out of him. He's on a big contract. He may have in the back of his mind uh, thought that he needs a little spark and they need something out of him. He's a senior player, but I thought, I thought it was interesting that he played the good cop on Thursday night where he came back and he was far more... Uh, diplomatic, if you like, and it was all positive. We know he'll respond. We know he'll do better, etc., etc. So I didn't see it as uh, anything too dramatic. 
Is there a memorable one from that you've seen firsthand? I've seen. I've been on the receiving end of one. Yep. Uh, I've seen half a dozen. I mean, Blighty had a go at somebody really publicly. I can't remember quite who it was. What uh, was your one? Uh, I got smashed at uh, in the Sydney at the SCG by Barras. Um, for getting for trip, I was tripped over and uh, got hauled off the ground. You're not trying hard enough, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and that's okay. It was. I don't think that was premeditated, or he did have the cameras on him at the time. But uh, Blighty's one was post-match. Um, Zantuck copped a really bad one um, at three-quarter time, which spilt into the week. But so Blighty's been talking about pathetic Pittman, eh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was there for that press conference yeah. too. That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was it was came out of the blue. I mean, I, I'm not sure they, you know, I mean, to put it in context, what happened on the weekend was. I thought fairly measured. So um, yeah, I, do they work well? I don't know. I would think. I would hope that Stringer responds because he's disappointed in his own game, and that's that's really the only thing that works. Because a sting from the coach, it lasts one week. But unless you motivated yourself to get back to what he was last year, well, it'll only last a week, and that'll be disappointing. What do you think of Jordan Degowie partying in Bali during the bye weekend? Well, you and I would have gone to Bali, Jared, for a surf, but maybe not necessarily to party. Um, Depends uh. on the definition of party. Because if I'm in Melbourne and I can get up to 29 degrees for five, six days as a break, that's a true break. So good luck to him. I think he's been, I think he's been harshly treated by a lot of people this year because I don't think they're recognising how good his form has been. As a mid-forward, I think he rates about two or three in the competition. Um, from where he's come... I think he's, he's going pretty good. So if he's having a, a decent break in Bali, uh, then fair enough. I'm not sure a video gets leaked on Instagram these days. It just gets posted, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I'm reading something here from three minutes ago. He's in a, looks, sounds like he's in a little bit of strife from his oh, no. Bali. Oh, no. If he's in a bud humming and doing some yoga, <laughs> that is fine. If he's, uh, what's the place up at Uluwatu now that everyone goes to? Fin, uh, fin bar, that'll yeah, be the yeah. fin bar. Single fin. Single fin. Right, that is where he was. Mm. Um, did players go overseas during the mid-season break in recent years, in your experiences, Nathan? Not not at the D's from what I can remember. There was a... Terry Wallace went over in one mid-season break. I remember when he was coach, he went yeah, to Bali. The, I, I, I had heard of players going to Bali, though. Not, not anyone directly that I played with. A lot of the time, guys just go up north... Queensland, yep. Byron, Noosa, that sort of area over the... Port, or, D- Port or Douglas, half the, half the football world. Yeah, it seems like they're there at the moment, huh? And then uh, and, uh, the other boys, like boys from WA and SA, generally just go home. Yeah, look, I, I think everyone's got connotations of Bali because of what they do at Bali. Whereas, <laughs> uh, whereas uh, hopefully Jordan has learned from his mistakes. He's gone up there, he's relaxing, he's enjoying the summer, the warm weather, and... And, uh, you know, maintaining a degree of decorum that everyone would expect given his recent history. And do you like the setup of the buys at the moment with the three split rounds? Look, I don't, but I, don't, I can't come up with a better one. Unless, unless you have every side has a buy and we go to an 18-week season, I, I think that's okay. You could even do it over six weeks if you wanted to, couldn't you? And then it's just well, not, Was it not better in the, in the Channel 10 days where we... Just had Collingwood, Collingwood and Sydney. Sydney the yeah. yeah, but everyone blew about that. I, I did, can remember yeah. that, and I went up to Sydney, and the game was great. There's seventy five thousand people there for a fair period of time, but then it then it dropped off. Yeah. But uh, maybe if we could over a six week period, but are we better off just getting it over and done with? Because well, you, you, if if you had eight games rather than nine over six weeks, you would, no one would, would miss we, it. No one would really notice. No. And I don't think it's too bad now, but it, it does. It's stark on a day like. Well, last Sunday and then this Sunday, the, the only game is the Suns and the Crows at 3.20 on a Sunday afternoon. It feels to me like this three-week period has sustained better than in recent years. Yeah, we've games. had some big games. Yeah, big games, great talking points, and the squeeze in the ladder, mm. while it's not equitable, I think has actually been sort of quite intriguing. Our travel partner for AFL Nation is Samsonite, innovative travel and business solutions. Tonight's St Kilda game is for Holmes Glen. Enrol mid-year at Holmes Glen. Some of the Spuds game um, 
pageantry is just beginning, so we'll take you to that when you come back. Uh, but the lights have been dimmed here, and we know that there's going to be an address. Nathan Burke and Tim Watson have been enlisted for it. It is Spud's game. Help us on a Spud's legacy by a virtual footy today at movember.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.